So we're going to be looking tonight, we're finally into chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be looking at the first six verses of this chapter. This, in a lot of ways, is probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible, but probably not for the best of reasons. This verse is definitely one of those verses where we talk about ripped out of context, um, quoted a lot, but not really understood. So hopefully by the end of tonight, we'll have a better sense of what Jesus is saying here when he tells us not to judge others. But let me read the passage for us. I'll pray, and then we'll see what the Lord has for our time. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom as we approach this passage. I pray, Lord, that we would use discernment, that you would guide us as we consider these important words. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At some point in everyone's life, there comes a situation in which you have a relationship that is going a little south, where there's problems, there's issues, and Sometimes it could be as simple as someone just gets on your nerves. They kind of annoy you. Sometimes it could be someone is just making all the wrong decisions, a loved one in your family, and you want to stop them, but they just seem to be on a, a trajectory of self-destruction. Um, sometimes we find ourselves in relationships that boost our self-esteem because being around them gives you a perception that you kind of have it more together than them. Right? For example, a third grader may look at the second graders and say, Psh, you don't even get it. In the third grade, we get 10 extra minutes at recess. Right? <gasps> what? <That's laughs> cool. really it's pretty interesting when you're younger in life, like one experience a week apart really can, for a kid, make them be like, I am so wise, you know nothing. Right? And I remember when my brother went to the seventh grade. And I was still in elementary school. It was just like, you don't know anything, right? And then he was in the eighth grade, and I was in seventh grade. And then we went to high school. Again, you don't know anything, right? When he got his driver's license and I didn't, you don't know anything, right? We just have this ability uh, to kind of compare and contrast each other, to, to kind of look at our own lives, and we kind of scan the room, and we see how people are doing, and, and we, we more or less, we judge people. Right? When I said earlier that this is one of the most famous passages to be quoted, I, I think that's accurate, but, but typically, here's the way it is quoted. Someone is maybe doing something immoral compared to someone else, um, or doing something that they don't, maybe not always be virtuous, and someone says something. Hey, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong that you do that. And the response is something like, hey, don't judge me. Judge not, lest you be judged. Right? 
And in fact, a lot of times Christians, kind of broadly speaking here, raise concerns about moral issues. They raise concerns about issues like the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, the sanctity of life of the unborn, that, that, that people shouldn't, you know, give into all of the sensual sins of, you know, alcohol and addiction and stuff like that. And typically the response is to kind of conservative Christianity is two verses. Don't judge me. That's actually pretty funny. We all are judging you, TJ, for having your phone on, right? Two responses. Hey, don't judge me. God is love. Probably your two most quoted verses in the entire Bible. Hey, don't tell me, don't come at me like you're so much better, holier than thou, telling me how to live my life. Don't judge. God is love. He loves me, right? And unfortunately, arguments like that kind of really miss the point that Jesus is getting at here. Really, what I appreciate the most about Jesus' words here is there's an acknowledgement that he has that even in his kingdom, there are going to be people who live in his kingdom who aren't always going to do the right thing. There are going to be people who are Christians who will find themselves in a pattern of sin or saying or doing something that is not appropriate. So it's not like Jesus is living this kind of like bubble life of people in his kingdom and he has these unrealistic expectations that they're just going to be, you know, hippies living in the commune and they're never going to have any problems. They're going to share everything they have and the world is going to be a perfect place in Jesus' kingdom. Until he comes back the second time, that'll never be the case because we still live in our sin nature. So Jesus here is expecting there are going to be times in which you are going to be dealing with a relationship where something that that person is doing is hard to deal with. It's either a sin, it's a personality thing, it's just a hard relationship, okay? And so in essence, what I want to talk about tonight is what does Jesus say we should do when we deal with a really hard relationship that needs some correction? What do you do in that relationship when you're really annoyed with someone? Or what do you do when you have a, a, a real brother in Christ who's heading down a path of sin? H- how should you get involved? What are the right ways of stepping into someone's life <clears throat> who needs to be corrected? And so what I want to do, I want to make this as simple as we can, okay? I want to take this simple outline. I'm going to break this up into three quick sections. What we're going to see is Jesus gives us two things not to do, and one thing that we should do. When we are involved in people's lives and people doing things that we don't like, two things that we should not do and one thing that we should do. Let's take the first two. What is the first thing that we should not do when we are addressing an issue in someone else's life? Very, very simple, okay? You should all be able to get this point on your own. First thing you should not do is to be the judge of other people. Do not be the judge of other people. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now here's the really hard part of this passage. is Jesus saying that we never have any right 
to tell someone that what they are doing is wrong. To simply meaning judge, not being the judge of someone is never having the discernment to actually call out someone's sin. And so we have to make a clarification here. We have to be a little bit more nuanced. And that's the problem that most people have with the Bible. They rip things out and they kind of apply it in, in the easy and quick ways without understanding that there's a lot of nuance here. Take, for example, we are studying uh, Jesus' words about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus gets up there and says, When you pray, go to your closet so that men may not see you, but your heavenly Father who sees you in secret will, you know, will reward you. Does that mean that we should never play, pray in public? Well, clearly not. Right? And so the same thing is here. It's not as if Jesus is calling us to abandon all reason. It is not as if Jesus is saying it's not wrong to actually look at someone, be discerning, and see like what they are doing is bad. What he's actually getting at is the type of judgment where you set yourself over them and you become so critical that you really are doing it with evil motives. Let me give you an example. There's a, there's a bug. We all get there? Okay. Observe it. Note it away. Let's pay attention, okay? A couple of years ago, I was leading a mission trip. And actually, I don't, this, is, this is like early youth ministry for me at this church, so I don't think any of you are on this trip. But there were two students who clearly disobeyed the rules, were lost, were just doing everything they shouldn't have done, okay? And there was like almost like a righteous anger that I had because I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be protecting this person. Uh, these kids, they're, they're setting a bad example. They're showing a lack of love. They're showing a lack of respect. And when I saw them, it's not like I yelled and ripped their heads off or anything like that, but I said, hey, like, I, I'm disappointed. What you guys did was just, it was mean, it was rude. It was inconsiderate. Like, what are you guys thinking right now? Like, tell me, right? Now, would it have been appropriate for them to say, like, hey, Aaron, don't notice our little speck when you have a two-by-four in your own eye, right? There's a sense in which sometimes it is good and is right to have the discernment to see something that's wrong and to call it wrong. Now, here's the example that's maybe the wrong way to do it, of what not to do, what Jesus is saying here, is to purposely go and look for something in someone else's life because I am bent on making them look worse than I am. When we scrutinize people and we try to judge people's motives and we try to look for anything we can to kind of get at them, Jesus is saying that same measure will be used to you. So if there's just someone I don't like and I'm just looking for any way to see them fall, to be able to point it out, that if there's someone who maybe did something to us in the past and we're kind of looking for some revenge, we are going to judge them in a way that comes with evil intentions. And really, all, all it really is, guys, is, is us trying to make ourselves feel better, more superior, more righteous, more virtuous than the other person. And guys, typically, when you see people posting things online, on social media, be very careful to not make caricatures or judgments on people whom you don't have full conversations with. 
really all I see on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is a lot of what I would call virtue signaling. Look how great I am. I care about this cause that I probably didn't know about 48 hours ago, but everyone's talking about it, and I'm going to reshare it, and look, I care about this stuff too. Look at my righteousness. And then if someone doesn't share that virtue, we, we attack them. Like, that person's a moron, that person's an idiot, and maybe we even say that stuff online. That's the type of judging where we are looking at someone's life in order to kind of prop up our righteousness, to make ourselves look good. That's the type of judging that Jesus says, you have no business at judging people's hearts and their motives and trying to find something in their life to, to try to make them look bad or make them pay for something. And Jesus actually gives kind of a, a principle here. If you look down, he says, with that same judgment you pronounce, this is the same thing that you'll be judged. And the measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. And so sometimes it is right and it is a good thing to bring admonishment and correction to Christians. In fact, keep your finger here really quick. And if you're familiar with the Bible, flip over to the right to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, okay? I just want you to know that Jesus isn't saying that we know can't ever make a discernment call, right? So go ahead and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a passage I come to frequently, by the way. So 1 Thess chapter 5, the big five, looking for the small number 14. It says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That first little command, what does he say? Admonish the idle. Listen. You cannot learn to admonish someone, and admonishment brings like, means like bring correction, teach them. You cannot admonish someone if you don't learn to discern and be able to judge something that they are doing. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying don't be that person who's always constantly looking at other people, making you know, assumptions about them, trying to label them, making them look a certain way in order to make you and your group and your tribe look better. Don't, don't judge. That's not how you deal with a situation in which there's a hard relationship. Don't assume. Don't pretend like you know all the facts when you don't. Okay? Second thing that Jesus says that we shouldn't do, do me a favor, go ahead and look at verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So I know we're skipping those middle verses, but we're going to come back to them in a second, okay? So the first thing Jesus says don't do, don't judge people. The type of judgment there is that evil intent kind of judge. The second thing he says not to do is to throw your pearls before swine or dogs. So what I would just say, if I can summarize that, don't throw your pearls to the folly. Now, it's very interesting. And this is, anytime someone quotes that verse, do not judge, the first thing I immediately think of is verse six of that passage. 
Everyone knows Matthew 7 and 1. Judge not lest you be judged, right? But it's interesting. It's almost as if if you take just Matthew 7 and 1, don't judge, right? It kind of seems like Jesus is saying, don't size people up. Don't make assumptions. Don't pretend like you know everything. Don't size people up. Don't judge. But then in verse 6, he adds in this, but also don't give to dogs what is holy. And don't throw your pearls before pigs. Now, back then, dogs were not like the domesticated animals that we have. They were, you know, full of fleas and mange and, and just kind of like nasty beasts of animals, okay? And swine, if you're a Jewish person, isn't good either, right? They don't like, it's not kosher. And so, so pigs represented, swine represented, you know, like the bottom of the barrel, okay? So it's as if Jesus is saying here, verse 1, Hey, don't size people up, but then size people up because if you're going to call, if you're going to, in your mind, consider someone to be a dog or to be a swine, aren't you making a, a judgment call on that person? Do you see how Jesus is saying here, hey, don't size people up, but then also size people up, right? There is a diff, like, there is something that Jesus is getting at here. And so what he means by don't throw your pearl your pearl is, is, is the truth that you have. It's the gospel, right? Now, would you get something really, really valuable, really, really expensive and throw it in the mud for the pigs to roll around in? Would you take something that just costs you thousands of dollars, it's really fragile, and put it in the hands of, a, of like a two or three-year-old? You know, like, there's a sense in which Jesus is saying here, you need to be able to learn and discern the people who are not going to take your correction, take your truth, take the gospel and not respect it and not cherish it. These are people who I call scoffers, right? And there's good wisdom in learning to discern when you are talking to someone who's a scoffer. A lot of times in evangelism, right? I might start talking to someone about the Lord. And I'll try to bring up Jesus, right? And if they seem kind of interested and they're listening and they're asking good questions, I just want to keep going deeper. I want to keep sharing truth. But sometimes you meet people, they're just like, you believe that nonsense? What's the matter with you? Well, hey, I really want to share Jesus with you. Oh, Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're just mocking again and again, like hard, hard, nothing happening there. Jesus says, don't, don't. Don't take what is precious and keep putting it before them. Like, in essence, what he's saying here, learn to know who to talk to and who not to talk to. You can know pretty quick that if I, if I go up to one of you and say, hey, I love you with all my heart, and I'm saying this because I love you, but I, I see some things in your life, and, and I'm just raising a question mark. Do you think this is maybe ever an issue for you? Is this something that you struggle with? Is there any way I can help you and pray for you in this issue? You know, if one response is like, you know, I'm glad you said something. Yeah, I need some help. Can we sit down and talk about this sometime? Right? Compared to someone who says, Psh, no, I'm doing great. And you know what? How about you? I see you doing this and you do that. So why, why do you, you know, just like the hard-heartedness. So what do you do when you have a situation with a person where it's tough and it's hard and you're called to speak truth in it? 
first, don't, don't, don't judge. Don't, don't come with evil intentions and evil motives. Don't assume like you know everything, that like you know all the situation. But second thing, don't spend, spin your wheels and waste your time with people who aren't going to cherish and value and treasure the truth of Scripture that we have. And just so you don't misinterpret my words here, that doesn't mean that we write that person off completely. It doesn't mean that, hey, I tried, I'm never talking to that person ever again. We always want to pray for people and be winsome and model good deeds and love to that person. But I think this is a lot of good wisdom here. A lot of good wisdom. Know when all I'm doing right now is giving my good stuff to someone who doesn't care about it at all. Because let me be very clear. Someone who lives in the kingdom, if they are ever confronted or admonished with something from God's word, it might not always be easy, but they are going to cherish it. You know, the very first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you, if you are truly poor in spirit, if you recognize that you bring nothing spiritually to the table, it shouldn't be hard for you to receive correction. Because hopefully there's already the humility there that says, you're right, I, I need Jesus' help. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, don't, I don't have a lot of righteousness. Like, I'm learning. And if someone brings something to you or they're, they're noticing some sin in your life, the person in the kingdom who's poor in spirit says, you're right, help me. Pray for me. Thank you for that admonishment. Thank you for that encouragement. But you'll find those people that when you say something, you do something. They just don't care. They make fun of you. They laugh it off. Jesus says, just don't. Don't give what is good to those who are going to trample on it. So the first thing that we don't do, we don't judge, right? The evil intention. We don't give to people who won't listen. But what is the one thing that we should do? And this is maybe where the real meat and potatoes of the matter is. Verse two, I think we kind of get. This one, I think we often forget. Let's look down at verse three. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Really, this point should be the first point that we think of. Anytime we struggle with a relationship, when we struggle with someone doing something that we know they shouldn't do, what you should always do is first be mindful of your own sin. It's first be mindful of your own sin. I've made this point a lot of times, and I feel like I'll make it many more times as long as I'm in pastoral ministry. Far too often, we boil down sin to being the actions and to being the things that we do that are bad. Okay? And really what happens is we understand sin in a very narrow, narrow, narrow way. Right? And so we typically like to typify sins, the sins that we can see, right? So we know things like watching pornography, getting drunk, swearing, right? We think like, ooh, bad, sin, 
gossip, sin. Okay? And so we compare ourselves. Well, I don't watch as much as that guy. I don't gossip as much as she does. I don't, we, we take our, our list of sins that we think are sins and we kind of compare, right? And so we kind of think like, well, I have less sins than them, so I'm doing okay. See, the problem with that though is, is, and again, a lot of Christians struggle with this perception, is that sin is not just the things that we do. In fact, that is just the tip of the iceberg of the sins that we have. Sin really is ingrained in the attitudes and the desires in the frame of mind that we have and how we think and the feelings and the emotions that we have. That oftentimes we sin more in our desires, in our thoughts, in our hearts and tensions, more than we do in our actions. A couple of years ago, I had a small group with some high school guy and, you know, I'll never forget this story. I, you know, I, you know, I'm grateful that he's there. I'm grateful that he's trying to grow. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, what can I pray for? What are you struggling with? Like, what, what, what sins in your life are you kind of working through? And he kind of sat there and he stopped for like 30 seconds quiet. And he's just like, um, I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have any sin struggles right now. Part of it, he was a good kid. He followed the rules. He had good grades. Was in a good relationship with his parents. No drama in his life. He looks to his life. Don't really see anything. And that's what's hard when you just look at your external righteousness. That's exactly why Jesus even had this here because people that he was talking to only looked at external righteousness. Do me a favor. Keep your finger here. I'm going to flip one more time. 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's one of my favorite passages. Preached on this passage this last summer in the parking lot, parking lot youth group. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul here. Okay, the Apostle Paul. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. The saying is trustworthy deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And here's the, here's the crazy part of who I am the foremost. You have the Apostle Paul here, who if you want to compare external righteousness, no one can beat the guy. Yeah, well, look what he says. Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying, deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world not to be just an example, not to be a political leader, came to save sinners of who I am the worst of. I'm the worst sinner. See, Paul must have known that sin is not just the behavior. It's not just behaviorism. It's our heart's intentions, right? And so when we think about what Jesus is saying here, you know, don't look at your brother's little speck. Like the idea is, your brother has a tiny little piece of sawdust in your eye, but you have a two-by-four sticking out of your face. And you say, hey, look at that little speck in your eye. I think, here's the thing, when we truly understand the gospel, when you truly understand that Christ left heaven's glory and he became a man 
that he lived a life of perfect righteousness, that he died on the cross for my sins, that ultimately, I think the only real thing that we could feel when we truly understand the gospel is, I am the worst sinner I know. I am the worst sinner I know. I might look better, but I know my heart. I know how quick I am to, to jealousy, to envy, to anger, to murmuring in my heart. I know how quick my, my lustful thoughts come up. I know how prayerless I am. I know how bored I can be with Christ. I know what my heart desires, and it is not the Lord. Like, you know that song we just sang, Prone to Wonder? That's my heart. I might look really good. I might say all the right things, but I know my heart. And Jesus is saying, that is what you do. When you struggle with a relationship and you, you're tempted to look at the other person and see the path they're going down, be aware of your own sin first. I'll, be, I'll, I'll open up for a second be vulnerable and share an odd thing about me. For some reason, I always have these dreams. And I don't know if my wife would appreciate me saying this, so maybe she won't listen. Um, I, I always have these dreams for some reason that, that my wife is going to cheat on me. And I wake up in the middle of the night, like literally like heart pounding, stomach, you know, like my wife just had an affair on me, right? And it's so weird. You wake up out of a dream and I'm like mad at her. There's a nothing but sleep next to me. But in my dream, you're a pill, right? Like, and I, I remember like just fighting that. Like, uh, it's been a couple of years since I've had a dream like this, but um, it would just be a weird kind of thing that would just pop up in my dream sometimes. And, and, and I finally came to the conclusion. I said, hey, Aaron, let's be honest, man. If anyone's going to screw up this marriage, it's probably going to be you. If there's anyone here who needs a reality check, it, it, it's probably your own heart. Right, And not that I want to use myself as a good example because I'm not always the best at this, but there's a sense in which before we learn to see the sin and the unrighteousness of other people, we need to first recognize it and see it in our own life. But yet at the same time, when we are able to see our own sin and to see that I am the worst sinner, it doesn't disqualify us from being able to still say to my brother, hey, I see some things we should talk about this, right? Because again, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't ever have discernment. In fact, if we really took this, what we think it means, none of us would ever, ever tell someone who's doing something and think to ourselves, hmm, maybe I won't say anything. That really kind of distracted me and got me off <laughs> my thought. So with all that said, guys, let me kind of just summarize here, okay? How are we to respond, to respond in the kingdom to how we deal with relationships that are tough and that are hard? Well, one, we don't judge with evil intentions. We don't make assumptions. Two, we recognize the people who are open to correction and we don't throw our pearl to, 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 to fools, to the folly. But third, we check our own hearts. We examine our own lives and our own sin and we realize that we need grace just as much as that person. I think this is a very balanced approach, but at the end of the day, as Christians, we need people in our lives who give us correction, who admonish us. And if I can just give you some pithy youth pastor wisdom, I always tell 
students, I always tell them as much as I can, if you find yourself in a company of people who only tell you the things that you want to hear, you should get new friends. Have friends and have people in your life who feel open and safe to tell you things in your life that need correction. And be the friend who is open to receive the correction that they may have. Let me pray. Lord, bless our time, we pray. Lord, these, these words are very important, and yet they're very hard to live. God, because we are very tempted to judge our neighbor, to judge the motives of other people. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to judge our own hearts first, that we may be wise and discerning of how we may speak into other people's lives. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.